everyone. So thank you guys all for coming out. Um, today we're going to have our first uh, weekly installment of knowledge and mentorship sessions. Uh, so first thing I just want to cover is like some pretty basic ground rules. Um, just no swearing during the uh, video, obviously. Um, you know, you don't want to represent the office in that way. So keep the swearing to a minimum or actually to uh, none because that would be the best. Um, second is I want to facilitate a discussion. So, you know, if you have a question about one of these slides, just let me finish the point and then just shoot your hand up and I'll call on you for a question, okay? Um, then third is, this is more directed at like, you know, the live comments and stuff like that. You know, just share constructive and professional advice. If there's any like negative, um, you know, comments on our live stream, I'm just gonna boot people from it because it's just not, it's a waste of our time, so. Um, all right, let's get started. So today's presentation is on weapons and close order drill. Okay, these are two topics which will be covered probably very, very soon when you uh, start the curriculum at OCS. So we're gonna start with that. So our goal here is basically not to cover everything with 100% detail, but to basically pick out some of the important you know, information that you should be looking over um, and studying. All right, so this is gonna be introduction to weapons maintenance, the first lesson. So, at OCS, you're gonna be issued an M16A4 service rifle. Um, here's a fun fact, I actually have my weapon serial number written down here, which was 104.59843, and you'll remember that once you go down to OCS. So, it's pretty cool that you get this, you know, bond with your service rifle, and you'll know it, you know, intimately inside and out um, as you take it apart to clean it, you know, as you use it for various tasks and stuff like that. So it's important to know how this thing functions, because you're not going to be able to safely operate it unless you know everything about the service rifle. Okay, so we're gonna start with the upper receiver. So that's marked out by the piece that contains, you know, the bolt carrier group, the handguard, the barrel, the front and rear sight posts, um, and that's the top half of the rifle. We're gonna take a look at some of the uh, pieces of the upper receiver. So we're taking a look at the compensator there on the front. That's that little um, piece that basically reduces the recoil and uh, the flash of you know, your M16. The second piece is the front sight assembly. Also there's a bayonet stud right beneath the front sight assembly. Uh, the barrel goes from the length of you know, it goes all the way to the end here where the D-ring is, right to the compensator. The next piece is the hand guards. You might lose one in OCS, so just keep an accountability of that, report it if it happens. Um, so then you're looking at the slip ring, or the D-ring, it's right there. That allows you to take off the hand guards if you need to like clean or brush, you know, the inside uh, of the, this like heat, uh, dispensing area where you know the barrel is encased in between those handguards. So. All right, the rear sight assembly is at the end. At OCS, you're going to have a carry handle on your rifle, um, so make sure that those uh, those little screws are tight because I've you know seen a couple of carry handles fall off and then people lose them. That's kind of a big deal. So, all right, then you're looking at the ejection port and the ejection port cover.
and the spent brass deflector. So that's going to just kick brass away from your face when um, you know when you fire the rifle. So that's pretty much all the parts that make up the uh, you know upper receiver. So you're going to want to know each and every one of these parts for when you start to take apart your rifle and clean it. Uh, we're also okay. The forward assist as well as you know right there at the end. So that's going to help if you have a jam, you're gonna do what's called immediate action, and we'll look at that at a later slide. All right, so now we're looking at the lower receiver. So that contains you know, the handguard, the uh, trigger, um, the magazine well, the, the butt stock, and basically you know, a couple of internal pieces that, uh, you know, like the hammer and stuff that help make the uh, weapon work. So the trigger guard, the trigger and the trigger guard, um, it's basically just that piece right there. And um, it has like a little piece of metal there that allows you, you can drop it away so you could fit a glove in there. Um, you know, if you have a glove on, it's cold out. That's the pistol grip. Right here is the selector switch. You have three options on your selector switch. There's safe, semi, and three round burst. The butt plate assembly at the end of your rifle, the butt stock, the front and rear takedown pins. So when you go to actually take your rifle apart, you have to push those pins out and then you'll be able to separate the upper and the lower receivers. The bolt catch. So once you run out of um, ammunition, it'll lock the bolt to the rear. That's what the bolt catch is for. You can release it by slamming that bolt catch. All right, so here's a couple internal pieces. So these pieces here, so these pieces below here make up what's called the bolt carrier group, okay? And that's gonna get really, really dirty. It's gonna get filled with all this black carbon. It's like grease. Um, you're gonna wanna clean that out really good because if you don't, and especially when you're firing blanks at OCS, the uh, rifle will start to just malfunction. Like it's not gonna fire the blanks, you know, if the uh, bolt carrier is really dirty. So. The bolt carrier is made up of a firing pin, the firing pin retaining pin, an extractor, bolt cam pin, the bolt, and the extractor pin. Okay, so all these pieces go together into this little housing, and that's what makes up your bolt carrier group. Okay, so that's gonna be basically what's responsible for extracting um, you know, a uh, uh, bullet and you know, putting a new one into the chamber and then firing the bullet with the firing pin. So um, then there's the buffer assembly with the spring. This is housed in the butt stock of your rifle. Um, it also gets pretty dirty with carbon and stuff just shooting back into it um, through the chamber. So you're gonna wanna clean that pretty well uh, also. Charging handle is what keeps all these pieces in place. So the charging handle sits right on top of the bolt carrier and it slides right into the upper receiver. All right, so now we're gonna take a look at what happens when you have some sort of malfunction with your rifle. Okay, so we just took a look at all of the pieces of the rifle and how they go together, and now we're gonna see what happens when your rifle ceases to fire. Okay, so uh, it's gonna be basically in the form of an indicator and then some sort of action to take. So your indicator is that the bolt is forward and the ejection, or the ejection port cover is closed. So you don't know what's going on, but your rifle won't fire, the bolt is forward, and the ejection port cover is closed. 
So the first thing that you're going to want to do is take cover and then tap the magazine, tap it really hard like that. Then you're going to rack your rifle to the rear. So pull the charging handle back until it clicks and then release it. And then bang, you're going to fire the weapon. Okay. So that's called immediate action. Okay. Tap, rack, bang. That's almost going to solve like every single problem that you have, you know, while you're in OCS, like sometimes you're just going to fire and it's going to click, you know, it might be because it didn't feed the, uh, the round properly or, you know, for whatever reason, just tap rack and then try again. Okay. So next indicator is there's brass obstructing the chamber area. So this is what's called either a smokestack or a double feed. Okay, a smokestack is when you have literally a um, you know smoking round stuck in the um, ejection port of your rifle. So the bolt has closed, and you know there's like a round just sticking out that didn't really get ejected from the rifle. Okay, so that happens every once in a while. Um, a double feed is when two rounds try to feed into the chamber at the same time, and it closes on that second round, um, and then it's not going to seat properly, so it's not going to fire. So the action to take to um, solve this issue is you're going to first take cover then you're going to attempt to remove the magazine so just drop your magazine away and obviously retain it then you're going to lock your bolt to the rear uh, so if it doesn't work you can turn the ejection port cover towards the ground and just attempt to shake the brass free from the chamber okay so lock the bolt to the rear and then just try to shake out whatever's in there okay so you may need to use force or strike the buttstock. So something that might happen is um, you might have to just strike the buttstock to uh, free that, that round. And just always be aware of what you're pointing at too. You know, we'll take a look at the weapon safety rules in a minute. And then you're gonna conduct a reload, okay? So reload the uh, rifle, rack the bolt to the rear, and then attempt to fire, okay? Next. Uh, remedial action. So our indicator, your bolt is locked to the rear and your ejection port cover is open. Does anybody know what this is? What does this mean? Your bolt is locked to the rear and your ejection port cover is open. The rear met your... The, 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 the rifle hasn't taken a round from the magazine or you're, or you're empty. You're out of ammo. That's it. Yeah, so um, basically you know, it's just, this is pretty simple. You're just going to take cover, remove and retain your empty magazine, put it in your uh, LBV, and then conduct a dry reload. That's it. You know, you're out of ammo. Okay. Very simple. Um, so for the final indicator here, you have an audible pop or reduced recoil. And this happens a lot with the blank rounds, you know, for whatever reason, um, they just suck. So this is called a dud. Um, so your round may be stuck in the chamber if you're using like a real like M855 ball round, like legit um, 556 round. So you're never going to like attempt to fire again if you hear this, okay? If you have an audible pop or reduced recoil. Um, with a blank round, there's nothing gonna be stuck in the chamber, but you're not gonna wanna fire again, okay? Do not pull that trigger. What you're gonna do is take cover. You're gonna put your finger straight off the trigger um, you're going to put your rifle in condition four, which we'll take a look at in a second. And you're going to remove your bolt carrier group. 
you're gonna have to take a look down the bore of the rifle, okay? So at this point, you've broken your rifle uh, shotgun style, you've taken the upper receiver apart from the lower receiver, and you're looking down, you've taken the uh, bolt carrier group out, and you're looking down the barrel, you're gonna try to see sunlight, basically. If you, if you can't see anything, there's an obstruction in the barrel. So the next case, then you would just insert a cleaning rod and try to push out whatever's stuck in the barrel. And then you're going to reassemble the rifle. Okay. Conduct a reload and then sight and attempt to fire. Okay, so that was the first uh, lesson. So basically, you know, when you, um, what you want to take away from that is, you know, how to do those immediate actions. Okay, those remedial actions. And the purpose of that is they're not going to hand you a rifle at OCS. Well, they are going to hand you a rifle and they're going to expect that you know that. And you're going to be tested on that material. You know, practically, they're going to give you the rifle and they're going to say, okay, um, you know, audible pop, what do you do? Um, and then you're going to have to say, okay, well, I'm going to break my rifle down shotgun style, take the bolt carrier group out, and then push the cleaning rod through, and then, you know, go on to the next thing. So they're going to give you a case. Go ahead, Gilbert. Is shotgun style taking just a single rear pin out? Exactly correct. So breaking it down shotgun style, it's called doing that because if you've ever seen, you know, a uh, two action shotgun, right. you know, when you hit the pin, it breaks in half. Mm -hmm. So the same thing happens with the M16A4. You push the rear pin out and then it breaks in half. Okay. You know, kind of like that. So, all right. So any more questions, guys? Good. Yeah. So now you also mentioned too about cleaning the rifle. How long would you say on average would you have to clean the rifle? Never enough time. So, you know, your rifle, they're going to give you the rifle and then you're going to go run through the woods with it or go through the Quigley it's gonna be filthy, and you will never have enough time to get it like inspection ready. That's just, you know, you get like 30 minutes here and there. If you take your time, um, you know, and you, you get good at it and you do it correctly, you're gonna be able to, you know, develop skills that help you, you know, clean it faster, clean it better. Um, you're gonna to have to focus on certain areas to make it like, you know, uh, work well and, uh, you know, pretty much inspection ready, but, you know, you could always use more time, you know. And you also mentioned too about hand guards, about some people who actually lose them. I mean, yeah. how, how common of an issue is that? Um, that happens several times. Like we had a guy lose, um, I think two or three guys lost a um, the uh, carry handle, like on hikes and stuff. It's pitch black, so you're not gonna be able to see. A um, couple guys lost hand guard pieces. It happens. You know, at the end of the day, it's not your fault. Like that's what happens. Um, you could just go to your instructors and you know report it immediately. You always want to report when you lose a piece of gear, obviously, because accountability is the number one uh, thing. So if you lose that piece of gear, just report it, and they'll call you an idiot, and they'll say, hey, you know, we're gonna go get you another one. All right, so that's it. All right. By the way, are we gonna, uh, are we gonna have access to like a copy? Yes, a yeah, I will make the uh, presentations available for okay. you guys. Okay, so yeah, make sure that you guys study these, yeah. definitely. All right, any other questions? All right, cool, let's go on to the next lesson. So. This is Introduction to the Service Rifle and Safe Weapons Handling. So there are four weapon safety rules. Does anybody know the four weapon safety rules? Treat, never keep, keep. Exactly correct. So they're identified just uh, like Cap said by the Diddy treat, never keep, keep. Okay, so here you go. First weapon safety rule, treat. Treat every weapon as if it were loaded. Yeah. Give you guys a chance to write that down, it's important. These are all very important.
Second weapon, uh, weapon safety rule, never point a weapon at anything you do not intend to shoot. By the way, you have to know these verbatim. So, you know, if it's anything you do not intend to shoot, you know, you have to know that specific wording. Weapon safety rule number three, keep your fingers straight and off the trigger until you are ready to fire. And number four, keep the weapon on safe until you intend to fire. Make sure that you have this wording correct here. It's until you are ready to fire for number three, and for number four, it's until you intend to fire. People use the ditty Rhode Island to remember it's R first and then I. Keyword here, treat, never, keep, keep. Just repeat that to yourself, okay? You're gonna wanna quiz yourself on this repeatedly and just go over this material many times because this is, you know, absolutely critical when you handle a service rifle. All right, next we're gonna go over the characteristics of the M16A4 service rifle. So the characteristics are this is a lightweight, magazine-fed, gas-operated, air-cooled shoulder-fire weapon, okay? So write those down. You just have to remember them in order. And the key word for that, LM gas, okay? Lightweight, magazine-fed, gas-operated, air-cooled, shoulder-fired weapon. Next, we're going to go over some distances, ranges, and weights. So the weights of the individual components. So the rifle without a magazine is seven pounds eight ounces. That's seven and a half pounds. Okay. The magazine with thirty rounds is one pound one ounce. A bayonet with the scabbard, fifteen point five ounces and a sling adjustable four ounces for eight slings. So are these um, questions, like, would, we, would we be quizzed on these and like multiple choice questions? Um, I believe this is, yeah, part of the, one of the exams, you know, multiple choice or something like that. You should expect to, to know this stuff. So next up, we're going to take a look at the capabilities, so rates of fire. Cyclic rate of fire is 700 to 900 rounds per minute, okay? That's if you put the rifle, like, on a machine that could, you know, just continuously fire the rifle, it's only, it's capable of doing 700 to 900 rounds per minute. That's not humanly possible, though, okay? That's only, like, in testing. 
the max maximum rate of fire at semi-automatic is 45 rounds per minute. Okay, so if you just sat there and pulled the trigger as, as fast as you can, you could do it 45 rounds per minute max. On burst, you're looking at 90 rounds per minute. Okay, three round burst, you pull the trigger, pull the trigger as fast as you can, 90 rounds per minute. Sustained, so this is if you were to actually just, you know, sight in and attempt to fire basically, um, you know, if you're firing at something and you were actually trying to like hit, actively trying to hit that thing, and you're just continually pulling the trigger basically, you know, not as fast as you can, but at a sustained rate, you're looking at roughly 12 to 15 rounds per minute. So, does anybody know how many rounds are in the magazine? 30, 30, you should probably put 28. Right? That's correct. So, um, there are 30 rounds. So, if you do have 30 rounds, you're looking at maybe expanding a magazine in two minutes if you're sustained fire. Okay. Um, to his point, he said you should only put 28 rounds in because, you know, if you compress that spring all the way, you might end up with a double feed or you might end up, um, you know, actually damaging the magazine because that spring is just gonna be compressed too far into the, you know, in the box there, so. All right, ranges. So your maximum range, if you had a like wide open desert basically and you just shot the rifle, the bullet would stop flying at 3,600 meters. Your maximum effective range. So if you're looking at an individual or point target, so let's say you wanna like shoot a terrorist individually, who is you know at a distance, you are looking at 550 meters maximum, basically, with this rifle. If you're shooting at an area target, so something larger, you know, um, then you're looking at 800 meters to hit the area. The broadside of a barn, you could hit at 800 meters. You guys have any questions so far about this? They're not gonna hit us with any questions that we're not going over today, right? Um, well, they might, I mean, uh, you know, it's, you just have to study the knowledge, you know, okay. and they'll uh, provide you the knowledge. Okay. Like I said in the beginning, the goal of this is not to um, be 100% thorough with the lessons, that's what, the, what will be um, mm -hmm. done at OCS. They'll give you very thorough lessons, right. you know, they're gonna give you the knowledge and expect you to read it all from top to bottom. This is just to hit the key points, get you guys familiar with some of this material, and then once you start seeing it again, you're gonna start you know, committing it to memory. So, you know, just prepare yourself by studying, stuff like that. All right, so cycle of operations and weapons conditions. We're gonna take a look at this little video here for the uh, cycle of operations. So this is basically what happens when you fire around. This is exactly what the mechanical process is for firing. So 
he just fired the round. So the, I'll repeat this um, from the start. So you're taking a look at just the bull carrier group um, work here. So he's firing. The bull carrier group is gonna unlock. It's going to extract the round. So it's unlocked, now it's extracting. And then it's going to eject the round. Okay, so that's ejected. Now it's gonna cock. So cocking, then it's going to feed. So let's start that again so you guys can see it. So the cycle of operations from top to bottom is firing, unlocking, extracting, ejecting, cocking, feeding, chambering, locking. Okay. So as you see here, I'm just going to pick it up wherever he starts the process here. And I'm just going to repeat them so you guys can see the actual action that's going on. So this is now feeding. Okay. So it's chambering, then it's feeding. Now it's gonna lock the bull carrier group. So there's, it's locked. Now he's gonna fire, so firing. Now it's gonna unlock, extract. So it's gonna pull that round out of the chamber. Then it's gonna eject, it's gonna kick it out of the rifle. Now it's extracted, now it's ejected, then it cocked again. Okay, then it's chambering, you know, so firing, unlocking, extracting, ejecting, cocking, feeding, chambering, locking. That's it. All right, cool. So that's it. So you're expected to know the um, cycle of operations. Technical difficulties. Of course, it's not without technical difficulties, right? So, what if we. Um, Maybe you need the space button? Now it's going to replay it. Control delete the application. Yeah, <laughs> Can you press tab and go down to the full screen? Now we have to Start the presentation here.
Do they have you walking around with empty magazines most of the time, or do they not even let you do that? You keep your uh, weapon in what's called condition four, so you do not have a magazine inserted, and I'll show you the uh, weapon's conditions in a minute. All right, we just have to pull back. Yeah, it's loud. So my apologies to our viewers tuning in on the live stream, to you guys. You know, this is not without um, technical difficulties, so we're adapting and overcoming, and that's what we're going to do. So, all right, so these are the weapons conditions I just went over. So, uh, I'm sorry, the cycle of operation. Firing, unlocking, extracting, ejecting, cocking, feeding, chambering, locking. I hope the video wasn't like totally clear, but I hope it gave you some insight into what was going on there. Let you guys write that down. All right. Now we're gonna go over the weapons conditions. Okay, this is also extremely important, and you know something that you will get quizzed on. Um, you know, I think that they quiz you um, when they're doing the first weapons exam, um, you know, when you're actually handling the rifle, so it's like a practical exam. So just be prepared to repeat these weapons conditions. If they ask you what condition is your weapon in, you have to know what condition it's in. It's simple stuff, you know. Um, it basically can, takes the rifle from a position of, you know, being most deadly to least deadly. Okay, so condition one is the most lethal and condition four is the most safe. So looking from uh, scale from lethal to safe. Okay, one. So the first weapons condition is your safety is on, your magazine is inserted, there's a round in the chamber, your bolt is forward, and your ejection port cover is closed. Okay, so that means that if the only thing you need to do to fire is put the weapon on fire and then pull the trigger. Second weapons condition is not applicable to the M16A4 service rifle. The third weapons condition, safety is on, the magazine is inserted, the uh, chamber is empty so there's no round in the chamber, the bolt is forward and the ejection port cover is closed. Okay. So what you would need to do to fire is actually chamber around and then put the safety off and then fire. So the fourth weapon safety rule, uh, the fourth weapons condition is the safety is on, magazine is removed, chamber is empty, bolt is forward, and the ejection port cover is closed. Do you have to memorize that in a certain order? Um, well, yeah, I mean it, it's in order, like so. Um, no, I'm sorry. With regards to whether safety is going to be on, magazine inserted, do you have to memorize? Oh, those particularly? Mm -hmm. No, those aren't exact. Like, there's no. You don't have to memorize them verbatim. You just have to know like what exactly is going on with the rifle. So, if you look here, basically this is just a series of, you know, putting the magazine in the rifle and then chambering around. That's the only action that you're doing here. Okay. So, condition four is where you're gonna be walking around with your rifle at OCS, okay? 
Okay, you're gonna have no magazine inserted, bolt is forward on an empty chamber, the safety is on, and the ejection port cover is closed. Weapons condition three, you just put a magazine in. That's it. There is no second weapons condition for the M16A4. So the weapons condition one is bracket, chamber around. So it's that simple, okay? So don't like overthink it. Just know what condition you're in when you're using your rifle, okay? So they might say like, if you're going out on effects, um, going into the field with your rifle for an LRC or for, not for an LRC, but maybe for Suli, they might say, okay, put your rifle in condition one, you know, and that you, you would be ready to start the Suli, like an assault or whatever. Okay, so how do you determine a weapons condition and make it safe? Okay, this is what we're gonna go over here. This is something that you will be quizzed on um, during your first weapons uh, exam, that practical exam. So first, you're gonna point your muzzle in a safe direction. Okay, always, that's in accordance with your weapon safety rules. Second, attempt to put the weapon on safe. Okay, if it's not cocked, you cannot put it on safe. Okay, so if your bolt is forward and there's nothing in the chamber, or yeah, if your bolt is forward and you know you don't know what's in the chamber or whatever, but um, you know the weapon's not cocked, then you can't put it on safe. It's just gonna click and it's not gonna actually turn to safe. Okay. Number three, remove the magazine if there is one. Number four, lock the bolt to the rear by pressing on the bolt catch and then pulling the, um, the uh, charging handle to the rear, okay? The charging handle is gonna, it's not gonna return automatically if you hold the bolt catch, so you're gonna have to click it back into place, okay? Then you're gonna put the weapon on safe. If there's a round in there, it'll come out. Visually inspect the chamber and the receiver to make, the, make sure that there's no brass in the chamber, okay? So you're gonna take a look, turn to the side, take a look, and see if there's anything in there. With the weapon on safe, release the bolt by pressing on the bolt catch. Then you're gonna put your weapon on semi and squeeze the trigger. Okay, so that's gonna release, this can drop the hammer and release the uh, the bolt there, or it's just gonna drop the hammer, and um, yeah, that's basically all it does. Now you're gonna pull the charging handle to the rear, now that you know that there's no brass in the chamber, there's nothing in there, you're gonna rack it to the rear, and then release it, okay? So it's gonna rack and then slam home. Then you're gonna put the weapon on safe, because now you can do that. And finally, you're gonna close the ejection port cover, okay? So this is important. You might have to, like, let's say I pick up a weapon, right? You know, because for whatever reason, let's say you're um, overseas, you know, you're in an infantry unit and you pick up a weapon off the ground, okay? An M16A4 service rifle. You might not know if the, the weapon is in a condition where it's capable of firing. Um, it might be, you know, you don't know what the condition the weapon is in when you pick it up off the ground because you haven't been handling that weapon. So you might have to determine what the weapon's condition is and make it safe to handle or you know, then make it ready to fire. So, all right.
transferring the rifle. So this is something that you're going to do a million times at OCS. So you're going to get used to doing this over and over and over again. Okay. Um, it's going to be pretty uh, like second nature by the time that you're done at OCS. Okay. So the first type of transfer is called a show clear transfer. So I'm going to go over the steps for a Marine handling a rifle and then the Marine receiving the rifle. All right. So number one, the Marine handling the rifle is going to ensure that the rifle is unsafe. Okay. Number two, he's going to remove the magazine and lock the bolt to the rear. Number, uh, number four, he's going to visually inspect the chamber to make sure that there's no ammunition present in the chamber. Number five, he's going to verbally state clear. Okay, he's going to say it out loud. Then, leaving the uh, bolt locked to the rear, he's going to hand off the rifle. Okay. The Marine receiving the rifle. First thing he's going to do is ensure that the rifle is on safe. He's going to also visually inspect the chamber the same way that this guy did. Make sure that there's no ammunition present. And he's going to verbally state clear again. Then he's going to release the bolt, so send it home. He's going to close the ejection port cover, and that's it. Okay, weapon's on safe, there's no ammunition in it, it's in condition four, it's safe to transfer and off to somebody. So you're gonna do that 100 times at OCS, it's just second nature. All right, now we're gonna go over a few weapons carries. So the first carry is a tactical carry, means that there's you know, no immediate threat in the area. You're kind of like tucking that um, buttstock underneath your um, uh, your armpit here, and you're just holding that rifle up. You know, you're pointing it kind of to the sky. Okay, tactical pointing to the sky. So that's a pretty easy way to carry the rifle. You know, you're kind of um, using your arm to like squeeze it, take some uh, weight off. You know, it's a pretty easy way to carry it. Um, the second carry is an alert carry, so it's alert to the dirt. You're gonna point your rifle to the dirt, and um, that means that enemy contact is likely for uh, moving, you're moving through like close terrain. It's like, let's say there's a bunch of trees around you, you might wanna keep your rifle in the alert carry just, um, just to be safe, okay? This is a little bit more um, ready to you know, fire than, it, than you would be from a tactical carry, okay? But it's also a little bit more fatiguing to carry that way. Um, ready carry is the most like fatiguing, so you're not going to want to walk all the time with your weapon at the ready. Um, this is also a signal that, you know, let's say you're using hand and arm signals, that the enemy is within your sights, okay? So you're going to pull that weapon up into your shoulder, you know, aim down the sight, and you're ready to take contact. Enemy contact is imminent. Okay. Three weapons, or four weapons transports. Strong side, muzzle up, okay, so that's on your right shoulder with the muzzle pointing towards the sky. Weak side, muzzle down, it's, you know, sling over your left shoulder, muzzle pointing down towards the ground. Okay, on most, um, yeah, when you're hiking at OCS, I'm pretty sure we did just strong side, muzzle up the whole time, okay. Then cross body, muzzle up. So pointing you know, over your right shoulder with the muzzle pointed up. 
and cross body muzzle down. So pointing down towards your right leg with the muzzle pointing down. So when you throw that sling over your, you know, over your body. All right, and the final lesson here today is introduction to close order drill form the company. So, you know, we just went over weapons. Um, now we're going over close order drill. So the purposes of close order drill and formations, this is important, this will be quiz. So, let's take a look at the close order drill here. Um, so the purposes of close order drill are to move units from one place to another in a standard orderly manner. Provide simple formations from which combat formations may be assumed, may be readily assumed. Teach discipline by instilling habits of precision and automatic uh, response to orders. Uh, increase the confidence of junior officers and non-commissioned officers through the exercise of command by the giving of proper commands and the control of drilling troops. And give troops an opportunity to handle individual weapons. So you will be performing close order drill frequently at OCS. Formations. So, does it, do you guys know the difference between close order drill and formations? Okay. So close order drill is when you're actually, you know, performing the action of drilling. So you guys are in what's called a formation, but you're actually doing uh, drill, which means that you're marching, you know, you're, you're doing flanking movements, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, formation is just a way to like organize troops. So like in that square that you would typically see, that's called a formation, right? So the purpose of formations is to build unit cohesion and esprit de corps by recognizing Marines during awards and promotion ceremonies. To maintain continuous accountability and control of personnel. So you'll have a, you know, like 0700 formation, for example, when you go to your unit or whatever. Um, at OCS, you have formation every morning, you know, before chow, um, you know, after PT, before chow. And then you'll have another formation um, I believe before dinner chow. And that's the purpose is you just count all the troops, you know, accountability, make sure everyone's there. Um, to provide frequent opportunities to observe the appearance and readiness of the uniforms, arms, and equipment of the individual Marines. So let's say you want to hold an inspection, you can do an inspection in a formation. It's a well-organized way to do that. To keep the individual Marine informed by providing uh, the means to pass the word, okay? So in a formation, you might make an announcement like, hey, this is what's happening today. To develop command presence in unit leaders. To instill and maintain high standards of military bearing and appearance and in the individual Marine. to add color and dignity to the, to the daily routine uh, by reinforcing the traditions of excellence associated with uh, 
close order drill. So, you know, we don't really need to memorize these top to bottom, okay, but you need to be able to recognize the purposes, all right? So, you know, if they quiz you on it, you just are able to say, hey, I know that purpose of uh, close order drill is this and not something else. Next is the four types of commands. So, this first command, you might um, recognize it forward march, okay? That's the name of the command. Um, has two pieces, all right? So, you have a preparatory command, and then you have a command of execution, okay? So, most commands will be broken down like this, right? You have a preparatory command, which lets people know what's coming next. So, nobody's going to act Nobody's going to move when you say forward, but they know when they hear march that they should start marching, okay? That's the execution. That's how they know to start doing the command, okay? So preparatory command and the execution. Okay. Column of files from the right march. So this is a preparatory command, a supplementary command, and a command of execution. So this is when you need to like add an additional, you know, piece of information to the uh, command to actually, um, you know, tell people what to do to like inform them what to do. So column of files from the right basically says that let's say you're in a formation, that right column is going to march off first. Okay. Then that second column, then the third column is going to, you know, follow behind them. That's column of files from the right and then the command of execution at the end there. March. So these are combined commands, okay? This is when the command is just one word, okay? So at ease is one word, rest or fall in. Okay? They would just perform that action from there. Alright, so now we're going to look at some standard drill terminology. I'm just going to pull them all up on the screen. So, these are like, there's a lot of drill terminology, but I kind of cherry pick some of the really important terms that you're going to start to know and recognize as you drill more and more. So, alignment is the dressing of several elements on a straight line front to back. So, this is where this comes in handy. Let's take a look. Say we have a formation. This is not to scale, so don't freak out. All right, so um, alignment, the dressing of several elements on a straight line front to back. So like, you know, like let's say you guys are all facing this way. Um, these guys would make sure that they're on that one straight line, okay? And that they're not, you know, when you're standing in front of, uh, or behind someone, you want to make sure that your shoulders, like, line up with their shoulders. So that you're not, like, off by, like, six inches, and then you just look like an idiot. So, um, cadence is the rhythmic rate of march. So you're always going to be marching at a cadence, and it's, you know, kind of like, um, like music. You know, it's, it's just, it's a beat, kind of. You're going to march at, at that beat. A column, a platoon is in column formation when the members of the squad 
uh, stand one behind uh, the other with the squads abreast of each other. So this is a column formation. Okay, I'll add another one so you can make it more obvious. So if you're facing this way, you're in column because this is first squad, second squad, third squad. Okay, so this is a squad and they're standing one behind each other with um, the unit leader out here, right? Because, yeah, so you guys would make a right face and then you'd be facing in column formation. Um, and so the squads are abreast of each other, so they're right next to each other. Okay. Um, cover, so we looked at alignment. Now cover is the dressing of elements on a straight line side to side, okay? So you're looking at the guy you know, to the right of you. You're like, let's say these guys are all in a line this way. They want to be on that one straight line across, okay? So if you're, once again, six inches in front of him, that gets frustrating because you're basically throwing off the whole formation. You know, you're out of alignment a little bit. So you want to be sure to align properly. You know, the heels and the toes of your boots are in alignment with the guy next to you, okay? It can be hard to do right, but you know, you're going to want to just practice, make sure you know, do get it right. Uh, distance is the distance between ranks, so back to chest is 40 inches. Okay, so these are two ranks here, here and here. The distance here is 40 inches. Okay, that's usually, if you take your cover off and throw it down like that, your cover should just touch their back, and that's like 40 inches more or less. Okay. Um, Double time is a cadence at 180 steps, uh, 36 inch in length per minute. So double time is when you guys are actually like jogging in, in a cadence. Okay, so that'll happen pretty frequently, you know, in OCS. Um, guide is the individual, the base upon whom the formation regulates its march. So if you're in column formation, the guide is gonna be right here, okay? And he's going to bear the guide on, okay, which is that flag that you see at the front of every formation. All right, so this is your unit leader. He's put you in column formation. The guide is gonna move right into this position and you guys are gonna regulate your march off of him. Okay, so if he like directs you guys a little bit towards the left because you need to like get around something or whatever, um, or like, you know, you need to guide towards the right side of the road, let's say, he would do that. It's not like a command that can be called. You know, it's just he's going to regulate the march. Okay. Um, interval. Lateral space between individuals from shoulder to shoulder is one arm's length. So we looked at this distance of 40 inches. Now this distance here is one arm's length. Okay, so you're just going to shoot up your arm like that. And that's the uh, interval. And pace is the length of a full step in quick time march. Um, which is 30 inches, okay? So, do you have a question? Yeah, so in that case, I see a squad leader right here, first squad leader, second squad leader. Uh, first squad leader is supposed to still be there, isn't he? And then the guy, wouldn't the guy be in front of him? Yeah, the guy is in front of him, right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah gotcha. And oh, yeah, I was just labeling, I'm sorry, this is not the squad leader. This is the squad leader with the X here, okay? Boom, boom, this is the squad leader. The guy stands in front of the third squad leader. And then also, so looking at that picture, so rank is the horizontal, so yes. in that case, and then file is vertical, right? So yes. that's the whole, okay. Right, so rank and file. 
Yeah, and then um, you know also squat. So squat is a file. Okay. So like for example, before we said column of files, like um, you know we we're showing the uh, supplementary command. That's a file. So if you're doing column of files from the right, you'd start with this file. They would march off. Yeah, just to show that. Um, and so, all right, so we just went over pace, which is a 30 inch step. Quick time is a cadence at 112 to 120 steps per minute. So that's where you're gonna be uh, walking and marching um, at that pace at OCS. So anybody have any questions on closer drift? So uh, there was one question I wanted to ask, but it was um, we were talking about rifles still. Okay. I think it's actually more yeah, questions ahead, so the, the movement, right? So no matter do they care what type that uh, uh, how you carry the rifle based on those four pictures, there's certain times which you're not allowed to carry at certain points. Just want to ask that. Or you can yeah. So when you like, let's say you form up in the morning at zero seven hundred or whatever. So you do PT, you guys form up, and you're going to chow. Um, when you march to chow, you're going to be actually at port arms, okay? Um, there's some times when they might put it in shoulder arms, but in the case where you would use those uh, actual carries is when, let's say, you're, like, in the field for effects, you know, and, like, you're just, like, walking around, you know, standard kind of thing, like you're working with your squad or your platoon, you'd carry it, like, at shoulder arms, Okay. It's not like, it's not a huge deal, but they will expect you to use a, you know, proof carry. And, and so, so some of us will have leadership positions, we'll just be calling out the commands to, to march everywhere, right? So, um, that's a great point. So, you're going to have what's called a unit leader at OCS, and usually they'll pick like somebody who is a prior, who has experience leading, uh, you know, unit and drill. So, they're going to have to develop that voice that you would use to give commands, okay, that command presence. And, you know, not everybody's great at it, but some people just happen to be really good, so. Yeah, and they can just lead the unit well. And it, you know what it comes down to, too, is like um, developing a good, like, cadence and a rhythm for like, giving commands. Because if somebody, like, calls a command on the wrong foot, you guys will mess up. You know, the whole platoon will be thrown out of, out of whack, so. And so, um, and the no, other question please. is, is so, yeah. um, do they also, do the instructors also make you do like all types of movements such as to the left flank, to the right flank, yes. change step, they'll actually make it, they'll actually tell you as you're marching them, hey, this is what I want you to do, all this other stuff, or do they, yeah. how, how does that go? So that? for like the first, I don't know, three or four weeks, they, the instructors will drill you, you know, and um, so what they'll do is, They'll just practice all the commands, you know, so uh, by the left flank, by the right flank, column, column right, column left, um, you know, and like you'll spend like two or three hours a day like out on the drill field just drilling with the instructors. Um, then the leader that's calling the commands, once they kind of identify somebody who's good at that, um, and you're going to get a drill card. So for final drill at the end of your 10-week OCS um, you know, of course, you're going to get like a little drill card that says exactly what the movements are, you know, for the uh, drill competition. Okay, and so you're going to be practicing those movements, you know, according to what the instructor wants. Like everybody has their own style, you know, drill. So they're going to give you like instruction on how to do that to your unit leader, and then your unit leader is just going to drill you. 
you know, you drill all the time. Like, let's say you're waiting to go into the chow hall, practice and drill, you know, while you wait. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Do they drill competitions too? Just at the end, the final drill, that's it. Is there any perks? Um, bragging rights. <laughs> you get a trophy, I think, I don't know, something like that. Your platoon gets a trophy. Right. But yeah, so we didn't, we didn't win. I've got a question. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between having the rifle on your back? the strong side and then the weak side um because I, I remember the strong side is pointing up right and then right. the weak side is pointing down so there's really no difference uh -huh. Interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's really no difference between having um you know pointed it's kind of like a comfort thing to be uh, honest like it's like a preference you will know what makes more sense when you're like carrying a pack okay. it's like okay i want to put my rifle on my right shoulder right um you know, to carry it, it's, and there's, okay. there's sometimes they'll just yell at you, hey, you know, everybody shoulder, right shoulder, uh, uh -huh. you know, sling your rifle, whatever. Uh -huh. So it's kind of a preference thing. You'll figure it out. But no, at, at the same time though, when it gets hot, don't they just make, so for the summer class, will they just tell them, all right, step it out because you know, it's a certain temperature and then they want you to. What do you mean, as opposed to running? Well, no, it's in terms of just out of step marsh because of, like black flag or whatever. Oh, well you, you guys step it out like often like as opposed to marching, but I, the temperature really doesn't have much of a bearing on that to be honest. Um, when you do step it out, you're hustling though. You're like moving across brownfield with a purpose. So yeah, just be prepared for that. You're not running, so. All right, so do you guys have any questions in general about OCS or anything you wanna know? Um, what was the best way to study the knowledge? So you're going to have to study on your own time. So um, you're not allowed to study during the day, like during the actual course of events for like the first several weeks. They don't want you to have that knowledge binder out and, and reading it. So you're going to have to spend like 10 or 15 minutes at night looking over the material. Um, you, know, you can write, write down like keywords that you're trying to remember in your, right in the rain and just look that over, like let's say if you're sitting or you know standing in formation waiting for like haircuts or PX call, they might be like, you know, hey, you can look through your writing rain pad. So write a few keywords down. Um, the other thing is when you do start getting libo, spend like a good amount of time, like a couple hours maybe reading through the knowledge. Um, do, do what you can to prepare before you go down too. Like everything's available online, like there's no secret. It's OCS is 100% accessible, and the reason is because they're not really trying to like challenge you with the curriculum. It's a lot. It's they want to see how you prepare, how you perform under pressure. So there's no, you know exactly what events you're going to have to do, what you're going to have to study. Just prepare yourself before you go down, and just you know perform under pressure. That's it. So let's say for Liberty, her some. Or a lot of people, they will just probably get a hotel or whatever, mm -hmm. and some of the, somebody, same sex of course, and they'll yeah. just go there, change out their band-aids on their feet or whatever, and yeah. just study and sleep. That's correct. Uh, I mean, any other suggestions you would have? Because I know Liberty could be one of the more important times mm -hmm. where you could actually still decompress. Anything Definitely. you suggest? Yeah, get um, a good amount of sleep. Buy like one or two Pedialytes, because those will refuel you, because uh, you're losing a lot of uh, you know, like sweat while you're actually just doing the course of events at OCS. So Pedialyte will just replenish all of your energy. 
buy one or two of those at like Walmart. Um, get a really good meal, at least one, um, you know, or two, whatever, breakfast before you guys go back. Um, and just take some time, do, do study, but also take some personal time to like call family and friends and stuff like that. How many hours of sleep? Um, at OCS? Yeah, how many hours of sleep do they give you? It depends, so you, I think they call lights at like, um, I, I believe it's 2100, so that's 9 p.m. Um, it's either 21 or 2200. Um, but they call lights at that time, mm -hmm. and then again at zero five. So, but you're gonna if you're not up by zero four thirty, you're like late. You know, you got to be up because you got to shave, get your gear together in the morning, and uh, get dressed to go out. You know, go out for PT. Okay. But um, what else? So, at night is when you're gonna have a chance to study, prepare your gear, write new name tapes for your gear. So, you're gonna be up until like. You know, 1130 at night so mm -hmm. 2300 um, you might get like five hours of sleep something like that it's, which is like enough you know oh, okay. five is good <laughs> yeah okay. you get five there's nights where you get three you know just deal with it <laughs> you're down to 90 screw it just stay open yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have firewatch too so um, you know maybe like every other night you'll end up I don't think it's quite that long maybe but um You'll end up being on fire watch, uh, either guarding the rifles or standing at the front of the um, squad bay. Okay. So that's an hour of just, you know, doing that. So. How many times would you say you actually have some officers who will have some like fireside chats with you and just ask, you ask questions? Yeah, you have like, you know, there's a decent amount of times when that happens, and also not just with the officers, with the instructors as well, like. You know, they make time, they have what, what's called like, they, they'll say set up the classroom in the back of the squad bed. Everybody puts their cam stool down, they'll stack the lockers, and they'll sit there and they'll just chat about, you know, like some subject that's really important. Um, and they'll give you an opportunity to like ask questions. So your platoon commander, your platoon sergeant, and your instructors will all have those types of chats with you, like maybe once or twice a week, something like that. How long would you see your platoon commander? How often? Um, we saw him very often. I mean, you know, you would see him like, if he wanted to run like hard PT with us, he would do that. Um, you know, there was times when he was away. Uh, you know, personally, our platoon commander had like, uh, I believe, some family issues, so he was away for a little bit. But you know, you'll see him like almost daily. So. Go. Ahead. I'm sorry, is he probably considered like like a father, quote unquote? Just like yeah, that? pretty much like the father of the platoon, or maybe you consider your platoon sergeant to be. But yeah. Oh, what? What's PT like in the morning? Um, you know, there's a variety of things. It's always pretty tough, you know, yeah, like, yeah. personally, I'm not like the strongest runner in the world, but, um, you know, your running pace is gonna be like pretty, like strenuous. Like, I think we'd vary between, um, depending on what we were doing, so like um, seven minutes to nine minute pace. So um, if you're running in like sneakers and, you know, you're uh, just PT uniform, then you'd be running like a seven minute pace or 7.30 or something for like a fartlek run. Um, if you're running in like boots and utes, it might be a little bit slower. Um, with your rifle and canteens, obviously still a little bit slower, but all very like, very tough paces. Um, you know, also a lot of um, just calisthenics. So push-ups, um, sit-ups, like good work in the medicine balls, the kettlebells, stuff like that. So that's, yeah, fun, that's good. 
Any other questions? How often would you say you go to like the obstacle course? Yes, you have to pass that down mm -hmm. there. Maybe time to prep, maybe if you uh, are weakened something, maybe you have time to practice that. How many times would you say you get a chance to do that? So there was um, something, some like concept that they used called crawl, walk, run, um, which is how they would do every like event. You know, they always give you opportunity to crawl, opportunity to walk, and an opportunity to run it, to test. Um, so for example, with the obstacle course, one of our first like PT sessions is you do like an intro to the O course where they just like show you it. Then you do O course techniques, which is O course suicides. So you're gonna run through it, go to the start, run through it, go to the start, run through it. And you do that like a bunch of times, like six to eight times, um, which is very strenuous, but it gives you an opportunity to practice. Um, then you'll have a uh, practice run, which is not graded. You're just gonna run through it and it'll give you a time and then you'll have a test, okay? Um, now, while all that is happening, that's over the course of like a couple weeks, um, they'll also, at the end of like every PT session, they'll be like, if you need to remediate the rope, come here with the PTI. Don't be nervous, just do it, you know? Like, I uh, didn't really necessarily, like I could get to the top, but I wasn't very fast on the rope, but like I remediated the rope and it helped me a lot, you know? A couple times, like I went and practiced it. And that helps a bunch. So just don't don't have any shame. Just go do it. You know, it's more about like you got to worry about like passing rather than you know having too much pride to go practice the rope. You know, and the PTIs are great guys. They want to help you. Um, so just yeah, just do it. So now you you did that with group, and then they say who wants to meet? What happens to everybody else? Oh, they'll just be like stretching or whatever. Okay. So that's it. It'll be like at the end of the PT session, you'll have like 15, 20 minutes of just stretching. Um, and then they'll be like, all right, whoever wants to go practice the rope, let's go. And just, you know, go, whatever. Yeah, that's it. How are the ropes in Red Osseus? Okay, so there's um, three or four. So the first one is a individual um, three mile, I think it's actually four miles. Um, you're gonna go like about two miles out individually and then they march you guys back um, with a platoon, with a squad actually, I think. Um, that, it's not hard, just, you know, just do it. That one I did very quickly. Um, the second one is the six mile, okay, so that's as a platoon. You know, the paces really aren't terrible. You know, there's hills, but you just gotta like drive on and just go through it. Um, the weight is not too heavy, as, you know, especially on like the six mile. It's just gonna, you're just gonna be drenched, okay? It's gonna be hot and um, yeah, just do it. Um, the nine mile is a little bit longer. Um, you, it ends up being like 10 miles roughly at the end and then that's when you start Suli, Suli two. Um, it's not like, you know, I didn't consider any of the uh, rocks to be really too hard. It's just like a matter of just mental like fortitude, just, just doing it, going through it. On, on Sundays when we do the march, when we do the six mile rock hikes, it's just just go into lizard brain mode and just put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. That's just that's yeah. Any other thoughts are just gonna work against you. Yeah. You step off at um, like zero dark thirty or zero one hundred something like that for every hike, um, except for the four mile. So. The six mile and the nine mile, you'll step off in the middle of the night and um, just hike through the night. And it's pitch black, so no headlamps or anything. So.
anyone fall asleep on the march? No. The people fall over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fall into the woods. Because <laughs> it's very easy to like do that. It's very dark. Yeah. So. The the corn is also there too to also give you yeah, like a proxen or yeah. ibuprofen. Yeah. Is there anything that you brought to OCS that was like super essential? Um, some people really like you know harp on like gear list stuff and like bringing extra stuff to OCS but to be honest with you like no there's like you don't there's nothing that's like really gonna help you um, like do better at OCS just you know if you have share your gear whatever with your platoon you know don't be selfish be a team player um, and yeah like just get a good headlamp honestly because that, that helps you know a red light and with the gears we're expected to bring proper gear right we're not um, gonna give us a list or they'll give you a gear list that um you know says what to bring okay um it's just you know some basic stuff you don't really need a lot so. we need cash for like yes yeah you do so, okay. um they will put that on the gear list okay too. cool and for haircuts we do <clears throat> any other questions guys how's your experience there um, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, my experience was good. It's a great, you know, life-changing experience. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing like going to OCS. Nothing like it. Um, you make lifelong friends. Um, you learn a lot about yourself, you know, and about your, your teammates. Um, you, you know, it's stressful. So, they want to see how you perform in that environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just don't let yourself like overthink, because that's something that I tend to do uh, as well, is like I'll overthink it a little bit and kind of like get in my own head. Right. You know, I, I feel like most people do that. Just mm -hmm. relax, don't overthink it, and just attack the task right. in front of you, you know, with uh, violence and intensity, and you'll do fine. Would you do it again though? Would I do it again? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, I, I don't think anybody really wants to do it again, yeah. but, um, at the same time, I think everybody feels like they could do better if they did it again, right. you know? Like there's always small things that you could improve. Mm -hmm. So just personally, I would do it a hundred times because I think there's always something that you could do better, right. but also, you know, it's always worth earning the title, you know, right. of the United States Marines. So I would do it a hundred times if they asked me to, so. Cool. so. Anybody else? How often do you do the stretch PT? Um, you do it definitely like at least once a week. Um, stretch PT is easy, you know, it's just like, it gives you an opportunity to stretch out and get ready um, for something, some big event or whatever that's coming. Um, and also you stretch at the end of every PT session. So the key there is to not fall asleep because people do um, just like, they'll, they'll stretch and they somebody will just pass out, they put their head back. And um, then you have to do push <laughs> oh, they can smoke you at OCS now? Uh, well, as long as it's a part of PT, right. You know, there's obviously strict rules against hazing. Um, so, you know, they'll make sure that you're PTing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's it. Oh, period valves. Do they also do period valves? Yes. Yeah, they do three separate rounds of period valves. Um, you'll get to know your, your friends. Um, you, well, I, I don't want to say friends. You'll get to know your platoon. Uh, you know, not saying like you'll have people who you like more than others, but whatever. 
Um, but the point is like with that, it's sometimes hard to rank people on pure evals. Just be honest, like, you know, whatever it is, just write it. Um, it ultimately goes into like the commander's eval. He'll review the pure evals and like, you know, he'll rank you in the platoon. So like you don't um, see what someone else said about you in the evals. You do not see what somebody okay. else said about you, no. Um, but you do get like a cumulative sheet. So like they'll write like a little paragraph about you, but you're just gonna get a sheet that says, these three traits are negative and these three traits are positive. That's it. You know, take initiative because that shows, you know, a lot of people, if somebody tells you don't volunteer for stuff, like I think that's, you know, honestly, um, that's just not taking the initiative. Just volunteer for stuff, okay? Go out and be like, hey, I wanna be the scribe or I wanna be the um, knowledge candidate and just put in that extra work. It's not a lot. Like, you're not like volunteering to, you know, stay up all night on everybody's fire watch. Like that's ridiculous. Just volunteer for stuff, take initiative, and be selfless. You know, do stuff for your for your teammates. If you're strong in something, help somebody out, and then people will start to get to know you. You know, that's how they they get to know you. If you're just constantly, you know, doing your own thing, like not paying attention to how your teammates are doing, then you're gonna like nobody's gonna know who you are. And they're gonna be like, that guy's kind of like selfish. So, yeah. How was the whole thing about builder positions? You know, which one's the hardest one? So, um, I got a squad leader and platoon guy, which are, to be honest, like pretty easy billets. Um, people say that the most difficult billets are platoon sergeant and platoon commander because you have the most responsibility. Um, so, you know, just when you're in a billet like a squad leader or a platoon guy, you want to help out your platoon sergeant, your platoon commander, as much as you can by making sure that there's, you know, everybody has accountability of their squads, of their fire teams, you know, making sure things are organized. That'll help your your senior billet holders a lot. So, typically, just two billets. You'll hold two billets. You'll hold two to three billets at OCS. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of work, but it's fine. It can be stressful at times, but you know, it's okay. You'll have like a nightly stand-up where after lights, you'll go and uh, meet with your, like if you're a squad leader, all the squad leaders will, excuse me, will go and meet with the um, platoon commander, candidate platoon commander, no, candidate platoon sergeant. So, yeah. so for PT, uh, PT for the run, do they have different um, running abilities for different groups? No, so everybody, you just run as a squad. So in your squad, just get together, you just run. You know, the best way to organize it um, is, you know, if you're like in a billet, and people will appreciate this too, like organize it from slowest people in the front to fastest people in the back, because that's how, you know, like even when you're hiking, you know, you want your uh, short guys up front and your tall guys in the back, because it's harder to hike at the back of a formation. You know, so your tall guys are gonna have an easier time of hiking so they can cover that extra distance or whatever because you're slingshotting, uh, yo-yoing, whatever. Um, running is the same thing. Put your slow guys in the front because they're not trying to catch up the whole time. You know, they're actually, you know, like setting the pace. They can keep up with the instructor, you know, but they're not trying to catch up at the back of the formation. So people, you know, people will appreciate that. That's something that you should 
decide, you know, what to do if you're an affiliate. Like a squad leader, whatever. It helps. So, any more questions? All good? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for uh, coming out. I appreciate thank it. You guys, you, you know, you. surprised at the big group that we got. It's really good. Where can we uh, get this information from? I will um, send it in the group meeting.